Let's do it. Hey, everybody. It's your host, Felipe, and I, you're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. And with me, as always, is one Austin Spiro. Austin, how you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, it was a good Christmas. How was yours? It was fantastic. I got to see the baby uh, opening up for presents. She's getting good at it uh at this opening presence i think she's finally getting the idea that every maybe once a year she is supposed to be getting new stuff so but she doesn't care about the stuff she only cares about the packaging of the stuff so boxes were a big hit uh (laughs) wrapping paper was a big hit plastic (laughs) plastic bottles were a big hit so that'll uh, happen for a while that throw the toy to the side and play with the box (laughs) <laughs> so yeah that, that's uh that's that, we're at that stage uh, of the um of the uh development there but it's it's pretty cool uh she i did get her a piano i sent you a video of her playing with a little piano she absolutely yeah, loved it yeah, yeah look like it yeah so I, at least she now is getting the idea oh i'm supposed to interact and play with these toys so yeah but uh, yeah, this is the Christmas edition of the total basis podcast uh we had to reschedule from because i wanted to get this done before Christmas and due to my illness and just the stress of the holiday, I couldn't make it. So I thank Austin for hanging in there with me. But uh, now that the festivities are over, we can go back and concentrate and finally, finally end this year. I've been trying to end it for a while now, but we can (laughs) finally end season two of the Total Basis podcast. Uh, What was your favorite moment of the season two Total Basis podcast? Um, honestly, I think it was being, uh, being able to be on here more and, uh, helping, uh, grow my understanding of, uh, baseball and the analytics around it and just improve my methodology of, you know, judging players and being able to judge performance overall. It was, I've, I've enjoyed being on here. My favorite moments was, uh, being proven right about Nick Madrigal and Kevin Gossman. (laughs) it's all that matters man how did i know you were gonna say that it's victory lap time man this is this is why i have this platform and you people don't sorry get your own damn podcast but don't air it here because we won't allow it it's only two there's only three podcasts are allowed in this place it's the round trippers podcast it's the total basis podcast and dong city and and when i say here i meant uh for those who are listening to audio only we are live at the baseball life Facebook group, come join us. We are 8,000 strong baseball fanatics. Um, I just uh, was able to post a little something before the Christmas break. Um, it was uh, what player would you have wanted for him to stay healthy for the entirety of his career or something to that effect? Got a lot of people saying Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, I ended up uh, gravitating towards the pitchers. I don't know why, <laughs> but the starting pitchers, like I was going to put Kerry Wood, but Kerry Wood had a pretty decent career. I mean, he even turned into a closer, uh, Mark Pryor. Well, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about that, but my guy was Brandon Webb and it was mostly because of uh, fantasy baseball uh, purposes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember, you remember who Brandon Webb was, but uh, he uh, was a Cy Young winner in the uh, mid two thousands. Uh, fantastic sinker, just a complete pitcher, just nothing but productive uh, in Arizona. And then the shoulder injuries came and they just couldn't put him together again. And that was unfortunate. He tried to come back with the Texas Power Rangers in 2011 or so. And what, imagine that. Can you imagine uh, Brandon Webb coming back into uh, the pitcher that he used to be or close to it and helping that team win a World Series, perhaps? 
That would have been awesome. Well, it wasn't meant to be. And then the other guy that I mentioned was Herb Score. After you know, I saw I saw someone mention Tony uh, Tony C from the Boston Red Sox. I, I always forget his name because it's Italian, Consigliari or some crap like that. I don't know. Um, oh, Canigliario. <laughs> way, well, I was way off. Tony Canigliario. Uh, <laughs> Tony Canigliario of, the, of the Mario Brothers. He's a plumber too when he's not playing baseball. <laughs> Um, but no, that was, uh, someone mentioned that like, oh, well, you know, he, I, it, I don't know how much you remember that story, but he, um, his career was lost because of an eye injury. Someone hit him right in the face with a pitch. And I remember the opposite effect happened. I believe it was Gil McDougal of the New York Yankees who, uh, uh, hit a line drive right back to the pitcher. That pitcher was Herb score of the, uh, I believe he was playing for the, uh, Cleveland guardians at the time. Yeah. Also known as the Cleveland Guardians back in the fifties or sixties or whatever that I think it was the fifties. Yeah. So yeah, you know that right? That once you're you change your name, that's it. You can't ever go back to the old name. So they right. were the Guardians then, and they're the Guardians now. And they're going to be the Guardians forever until they change their name for like the twentieth time in their franchise history. <laughs> but yeah, Herb scores the other one. Uh, almost, I, I I don't know if he lost his vision or not, but yeah, I, I just remember seeing pictures of a nasty black guy, and it's kind of similar to Tony C. Uh, so, but at that time, Herb score was kind of revolutionizing the game, uh, with the ability to just strike out uh, a bunch of pitchers, the only, uh, a bunch of hitters, uh, at a very high rate, but back then it wasn't about striking out guys. It was just getting the guys to make uh, soft contact and lots of fly ball outs. Cause the, uh, outfields were much bigger. Right. And her score, he didn't give a damn. He just was striking out everybody. The only other pitcher who was coming close to him was Whitey Ford, and he couldn't keep up with them. Everybody else, if you ever look at 1950s baseball, it's a bunch of strikeouts per nine of like four, maybe some fives per nine inning. And Herb score and Whitey Ford were doing way like above sevens. And, you know, we they lost one in Herb score. So who knows if he would have stayed healthy, how he would have impacted the game a lot sooner than later instead of having to win until Sandy Koufax and Bob Gibson to uh, do it in the sixties. Uh, what was your player? Um, I didn't put one in the post. I did see the post. I didn't put one in the post, but um, I did see one that I agreed with. I believe Vince put it in there and it's kind of a different spin because it wasn't really injuries that ended his career. It was the death of Jose Fernandez. Yeah, that's a good uh, one. I like you that. Know, I thought Jose Fernandez was a really good choice that, that guy had a lot of movement on his pitches and he was getting ready to dominate and probably be one of the best. If, I mean, if he were alive today, we would probably be talking to uh, about him as probably the ace of the MLB. He would be in the land of Max Scherzer and all those. Um, so it was very tragic, um, his death. Um, but the other one that I um, was thinking and it might be a little bit of a different spin because he did have a good career, but his career was shortened because of injuries was Prince Fielder. Mm. Um, you know, I thought, you know, he's on the Hall of Fame ballot this year. And I think if he played a little longer and didn't have the season in, or the career ending injury and some of the other injuries that he had and he played a little bit longer, I think he could have been a Hall of Famer right now. He's just he had a good career. Um, so mine would have been Prince Fielder and Jose Fernandez. A lot of guys pick Ken Griffey Jr. for some reason. I mean, he hit over 600 home runs. I know, I know mm. that that his career would have been a lot more grandiose had he stayed healthy. But he played a very long time. He played until he was 40 years old. And yeah, 
I just, I don't, I, I didn't particularly agree with King. Yeah, Griffey. I don't like that at all. He had a lot of injuries, but it didn't seem to affect his career to the point where, I mean, he was a first ballot hall of famer. So, <laughs> Oh, I wish he would have stayed healthy. He makes the hall of fame anyway. Like that. I don't know when I, when, when people ask that question, if, if, if you could see one player stay healthy for the entirety of his career, I, I don't know. I think of guys who didn't quite make it like, uh, uh, consistently on, on a big league uh, roster, yeah. you know, guys who couldn't just, who couldn't stay healthy and, and, and the, all the untapped potential was never met. That's one thing. I mean, Ken Griffey was the face of baseball and you can argue that he's still the face of baseball. Yeah. What more do you want? What, I mean, they're be... still making Ken Griffey merchandise. And it sells like hotcakes and to yeah. us millennials and stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're buying it like, 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 like it's going out of style soon. And, and, yep. I mean, it doesn't go out of style, and he impacted the game. Both I mean, you talk about fashion, people now wear backwards hats, um, and it's now more universally accepted. It's it's people like me now who uh, they have a problem with because they can't seem to have the logo <laughs> facing forward. I like, adjust my hat. Although I'm wearing I'm wearing a beanie though, huh? What'd you say? When I was playing ball, yeah, um, it was uh, very much you were I, you were not allowed to wear your hat backwards on the field. If you wore your hat backwards, my coaches would chew me out. I never even thought about wearing my hat backwards because they were so old school. That's why <laughs> I remember some of the first images of Ken Griffey Jr. that I saw his hat was backwards. I was like, you can, you can do that. I didn't know you could do that. Like what? So yeah, no, Ken, Ken Griffey Jr. I don't, yeah, he had a lot of injuries and yeah, he probably would have you know, hit more homers and things like that. But I mean, if you, I mean, with all those injuries, you're a first ballot hall of famer. It didn't really affect it all that much. That's why I said people like Prince Fielder. Cause mm -hmm. I think if Prince Fielder didn't have all the injuries that he had, he probably would have a pretty good shot at being in the hall of fame. Yeah. I, we'll never know. Uh, but he did have a pretty good career himself. It just wasn't that, um, you know, from point A to point B type of career. I mean, at least Griffey was able to accomplish so much. And I think, I guess, I mean, I get the argument. I just, I, he accomplished so much. I just don't see it. Yeah. And even, even the ones, the Cub fans who were saying Kerry Wood, like, come on, man, Kerry Wood came, uh, left and then he came back and he became a bullpen arm. I mean, he had a pretty long career. I mean, he was, yeah. I feel like he pitched more than 10 years in this league. And uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll accept Mark Pryor. I love the Jose Fernandez one. Uh, I just I just tagged you in a post about uh, some of the numbers that where he left off in terms of uh, rankings. And by the way, good morning, Melvin. Melvin uh, must have heard us talking about him. Uh, Melvin, go ahead and plug your stuff as always and let us know. Give us more updates, man. I've been uh, looking forward to those. See what's going on because there, there's some baseball going on right now. It's just not Major League Baseball because uh, of the lockouts. So uh, Let's see. And, 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 you know, I wish I could find that post so we can maybe uh, mention some names, but a lot of, I could not believe that a lot of them were um, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Just everywhere. Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. And I get it. It's a, it's a generational thing, but come on, man. Be a little bit more creative, I think. Oh, yeah. oh, and you know what? Uh, there is a post. There was a post about uh, Herb score that I, uh, who posted this one? This is from a while back ago. I'm going to tag you in that one as well. Here uh, Kerry Wood played 14 years. Oh my God. There was really, uh, the, what the, I'm looking at it, there are really only two years where you can see a significant drop in games. Uh, in 99, the year after his rookie year, he didn't pitch at all because he was injured. Tommy John, and yeah. In 2006, he only pitched in four games. 
But the rest of them, 1998, 26 games, 2000, 23 games, uh, 2001, 28, 02, 33, you know, it, and it looks more like that. And then you get down to 08, his second all-star season, 65 games. That's when he started uh, being a relief pitcher. Uh, 09, 58, 2010, 47. And then, of course, you're getting down to 2010. He still pitched 47 games. Yeah. 23 with the Indians and 24 with the Yankees. And then you went back to the Cubs, pitched 55 games. And then 2012, it was 10 games. But, I mean, even then, it didn't even look like for Kerry Wood that the injuries really knocked out his games or, you know, the amount of games that he played. I mean, the only thing that you could argue is that it, it, it turned him in from a starting pitcher to a relief pitcher because he just couldn't withstand. But, you know, things that Cub fans don't want to hear – he never was able to figure out his, his control issues. He had the worst control uh, from a pitcher of, uh, of his caliber and talent that you'll ever see. Like he, his stuff was unhittable, but after a while, after the third or fourth inning, so like the second or third time through the, to, through the lineup, hitters could, they figured out like, hey, if we just hold off on a little bit uh, and, and gas him up. And that's the other thing he could, uh, it took him a while to realize that he's a, he's a baseball and that means that he's an athlete and he needs to take care of his body. Like uh, Nolan Ryan and Roger Clemens used to, although you know, Roger Clemens used to, right. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but no, it, it took him a long time for him to realize, Hey, I need to take care, better care of myself. I need to stop eating cheeseburgers. I need more uh, uh, veggie burgers. I don't know. It's a horrible analogy, but you get the drift. Yeah. Um, 2000, but, 2007 was the first year that he mm-hmm. was a relief pitcher. Uh, four years before that, so it wasn't very long removed, was his first all-star season in 2003 where he led the league in strikeouts, yeah. hit by pitches, um, yeah, control problems. Nine, and strikeouts per nine. So he led the league in stuff four years prior. So it wasn't like he was on a downward trend. He was still doing pretty good. It was just, you know, he they found out he was probably a better bullpen guy, which he was the next year. 2008 was his next all-star season. He had 34 saves and mm-hmm. pitched to a 3.26 ERA. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you didn't see Kerry Wood the starting pitcher, but even, you know what, man, now that you're mentioning it, when I was growing up in the nineties uh, and the two, early two thousands, they, a lot of newspapers uh, here locally were writing about, Hey, if this uh, Kerry Wood as a starting pitcher doesn't work out for whatever reason, you can always put him uh, as a closer. And they, the one guy literally uh, had a headline. Uh, I believe it was for the Chicago Tribune. Had a headline of "Carry the Closer," and both "Carry" and "Closer" are spelled with a K. So, um, so no, I, I don't like that one. I, I'll I'll give you Mark Pryor. I mean, that's fine. Uh, although Mark Pryor, my, he that Mark Pryor is a, a I don't know. I don't want to get into it because then they, they're talking about steroids and all that and and uh, PEDs and. That's one that uh, maybe he might have been done doing something that he shouldn't have been doing. Uh, but that Mark Pryor, remember, uh, he went in the Joe Maurer draft. Yeah. And uh, the reason that the Twins went with Joe Maurer wasn't just because it was local, but because they can afford him. And they were afraid that Mark Pryor was going to come with a really high price tag. And at that time, we were like, man, the poor Minnesota Twins, they let go of an ace pitcher because they're cheap. And it turns out that they made the right choice because uh, Maurer would finish his career with the Twins and Pryor would just kind of disappear after uh, after showing so much promise. Years. Yeah, showed so much promise. And then currently he's uh, he's uh, 
I believe he's a pitching coach. I forget which for what team, but I believe he's a pitching coach for a major league baseball team. Uh, let's see, Ben Sheets from my guy Leon, Leon from the Step Back Podcast. Ben Sheets when he said Dodgers. that. Oh, he was a Dodgers. Okay, well I should have known. Uh, we see that team all the time. Uh, ben Sheets was one that he picked. Uh, I kind of like that one because and, and this you know Ben Sheets, Brandon Webb, Mark uh, Kerry Wood, Mark Pryor. That's the right right in that sweet spot of early two thousands fantasy baseball for me. These are all pitchers that I I coveted and targeted back in the day. Uh, oh, I used to love Ben Sheets, man. But every time you you pick Ben Sheets, he just couldn't stay healthy to save his life, it seemed like. And um, that's a good one. Uh, the Yankee fans came up with Don Mattingly. Although Donnie Baseball, uh, I feel like he was a uh, – that he played for a long time. But they're, they're swearing that uh, uh, injuries uh, curtailed his career. Uh, what do you think about Don Mattingly on, added, being added to this list? Um, I think that's – I think that's a good ad. I'm not necessarily sure. Again, I didn't watch Don Mattingly play. So I don't know if it was necessarily injuries or he just was one of those that people thought he was a better baseball player than he actually was. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think if, if it was truly injuries, I feel like Donnie baseball could be a good ad to the list, but I can't really speak to because I didn't watch him play. So I don't know. Uh, Bo um, Jackson, Bo Jackson in here too. Oh, Bo Jackson. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Joe um, Maurer. We just talked about Joe Maurer. He's included. Uh, but concussions, uh, well, concussions yeah, kind of ruined his concussions, career. Concussions, but he made the he made the move from catcher to first base. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, the the one I'm not sure if it's injuries. I don't think it's injuries. But the one guy that I was just thinking because I don't know why you mentioned Ben Sheets and it made me think of this guy um, that. I thought he was a better pitcher than statistically he actually was, was Kevin Millwood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I could see that. Um, I think uh, Kevin Millwood uh, was someone who was negatively affected by uh, the PED users who were, uh, uh, that were just clobbering the ball at that time. And yeah. uh, Otherwise, yeah, he showed, he showed some promise. And then he even, he, he pitched for a long time, I believe. I mean, he if pitched I, for 16 years. <laughs> oh, poor Kevin Millwood. So he didn't get the production that he wanted or that, that we were all expecting because he, he put up some numbers for the Atlanta Braves for a while. Um, but then, you know, he survived. He lasted 16 years. He just knew how to pitch. He kept improving on his craft, something that it seems like pitchers nowadays are not allowed to do if they want to survive long in this league because yeah. it's all about velocity. Uh, another guy's Josh Hamilton showed up. Uh, that's a pretty good one. Uh, well, he, yeah, injuries. Yeah, because you could argue injuries, but you well, could argue him. injuries. But I think it was more the fact that he couldn't stay away from the needle, the the needle, the drugs, all of that. Uh, yeah, Leon did mention Prince Fielder, uh, Mickey Mantle. That doesn't make any sense. He's a Hall of Fame player. I know they. The, I mean, he was one always injured for best sure. Players to ever play the MLB. How in the world is he even mentioned in this list? Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's uh, probably. I think he still leads the the. Uh, he leads uh, Major League Baseball all time as the most home runs by a switch hitter. I believe, if that's yes. correct. Uh, one of the most beloved figures. Uh, this uh, the only negative thing you could say that he had an issue with alcohol and and even then, I mean, he lived a pretty a much longer life than any of us than even he expected. He thought he was going to die at the age of 40 or yeah. maybe even 30, just like his, his, uh, his uh, male figures of his life did because uh, they were all coal miners at that time. And right. Uh, Lenny, Di- Lenny Dykstra, come on, man, Lenny Dykstra. 
But anyway, we can go on forever, but we're here to talk about outfielders. We got a little distracted there. That's okay. Um, <laughs> so, Mantle, speaking of outfielders. Yeah, speaking of that, that's a good segue. So Mickey Mantle, uh, what's his face? Uh, we're going to talk about some outfielders, some modern-day outfielders. Uh, so we say good morning to Chris and Michael. Uh, they're listening and watching us make jackasses of ourselves right now. But we're trying to figure out, uh, we're back doing Tristan Cockroft's uh, list, which now seems to be a, a little bit outdated, even after a month after he posted it. But we chose that one because it's ESPN. It's the worldwide leader. Uh, and it was the one that was uh, a pretty substantial list of uh position players that he was ranking so when i see a more substantial list or a more updated list for next year we'll we'll use that one for pitches and as i was telling you off the air uh, uh austin is that pitchers that that one's gonna you're gonna see a lot of movement for both relief pitchers and starting pitchers so we're gonna hold off a little bit yeah. on uh tackling those rankings um but in the meantime we're gonna go ahead and use tristan cockroach's uh published rankings from november 30th to discuss the rest of these outfielders and we're going to go in 15 outfield increments so we're going to for the first uh few increments we're going to pick a bust and a sleeper so starting with let's start with you austin your first bust the number nine ranked luis robert and you're going to be uh attacked by a bunch of uh sensitive disgruntled white Sox fans so get ready but go ahead why do you pick Luis Robert as a bust? So I think this is more narrative based, I guess you want to say. And mm -hmm. it's more Luis Robert was marketed as coming up and being the, you know, being right alongside Jose Abreu as the main offensive, you know, juggernaut in this White Sox lineup. And to me, he hasn't proven that he can do that. You know, he hasn't proven that he can stay on the field and he hasn't proven to me that he can produce. And so as a fantasy baseball owner, fantasy baseball, you know, getting ready to do, you know, some drafts, I am not touching, you know, Luis Robert. Yeah, Luis Robert has, you know, some pretty good counting stats. He's got, I think he had a pretty decent slash line for, you know, last year, but I don't know, something this 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 is just a gut feeling of mine. I don't feel like Luis Robert is going to. I don't think he's worth the number nine spot. He that's first round to me. That's like late first round, early second round. I'm not I'm not going to pick up Luis Robert around that time. That's just me. Not just that. That's that's your anchor for your outfielder. Yeah, that, like, exactly. That's, yeah. And I can think of a number of other outfielders that I could have as my anchor before Luis Robert. Luis Robert is more of a, you know, second, third outfielder, maybe even my first bench guy. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to draft him as my first anchor outfielder. I'm not doing it. Yeah. He does come with a lot of hype. He does come with, the, I mean, and that's part of the price tag on him uh, being number nine. I'm surprised he's not ranked higher. Uh uh, to be honest, uh, let's see who is ranked ahead of Luis Robert, just out of curiosity, according to Tristan Cockriff. So we got Juan Soto, uh, Fernando Tatis, who qualifies at outfield, Ronald Acuna, who's coming back from a knee injury, Bryce Harper, who's your MVP, Mookie Betts, uh, it's a really good bounce back candidate because he kind of disappointed last year, Mike Trout, who was out for a very long, substantial amount of time, Kyle Tucker, Starling Marte, Luis Robert. I mean, I can argue that from an upside standpoint, I know it's, it's, it's a It'd be a heck of an argument, but I could probably argue Luis Robert to be as high as like number seven, maybe even number, 
I mean, I don't know who you would take out from the from the top six, but at least number seven it might be a better spot for Luis Robert just because of upside alone. I, I know that you're not seeing it uh, because uh, he can't stay healthy, but when he is healthy, I mean, you would. I had him last year, okay, and it wasn't fair. I had so many good players, and then Luis Robert was out for a long time, and then I get Luis Robert back, and I just like start beating the crap out of people. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't win the championship, but I did. Uh, have a very successful regular season. Uh, so I can only imagine what's going to happen when he actually stays healthy. Uh, but he, cause he does have the tools and he's little by little learning how to lay off of pitches. Like he shouldn't be swinging. That's the one thing, the one danger that you will, that you do have for Luis Robert is that he will hack and look foolish up there uh, when it comes to plate approach, but he has shown in the minors that he can improve a little by little. Um, so hopefully 2022, he can stay healthy, but yeah, otherwise if he can't stay healthy, we're just basically talking about another Byron Bucks in here. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, I will say, now that I'm looking at his 2021, his slash line was 338, 378, 567 for an OPS plus of 155. But that's only in 60, that's only in 68 games. Yeah. Sample size issues, yeah. The, the sample size is really, really small. So, you know, compared to last year, 2020, in 56 games, he only had an OPS plus of 100 with a slash line of 233, 302, and 436. So which Luis Robert are we going to get, and how long are you going to get him for? Well, somewhere in the middle, uh, according to Steamer projections, 30 home runs, 14 stolen bases, uh, improved uh, strikeout rate. Um, it wouldn't, it's not going to be as good as last year, but at least his walks should be going up, according to Steamer projections. Uh, 285 batting average from a guy who hacks a lot of pitches. You'll take that. 339 on base percentage. It's a little low. It's not superstar material, but you'll take it because he could steal. He might be able to steal some bases. Uh, and the 505 slugging percentage, I think that's attainable for him. So maybe you won't, you won't see these gargantuan numbers, but you might see some respectable, decent num- uh, slash line from him. And now you got to ask yourself, is that first outfield material? Well, that's for you people to decide. I would gladly take him as my first outfielder if it comes down to that. But, uh, um, you know, like you said, outfield is so full of depth. I mean, if you look at the rest of the top 15, you have Til- uh, Cedric Mullins, Jordan Alvarez, uh, Telescar Hernandez, Aaron Judge, Whit Merrifield, Eloy Jimenez, even Nick Castellanos and George Springer. So some more established players are on that list at, to round out the top 15. So we'll see. But in terms of upside, you got to love it. You got to love it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there is a lot to be worried about with Luis Robert, but yeah, uh, I just don't know if my first outfield pick is going to be a risk. I would want to pick more of a stable, somebody who I know is going to be there. Somebody who I know is going to produce. I don't know if Luis Robert is going to do that or not. If he does great, but I, I wouldn't want to pick my first outfielder and automatically hang my season on a risk. Well, you know what he, I, mean? so. I would trust Luis Robert before I trust Teoscar Hernandez, who's my number 12, uh, who's the number 12 outfielder ranked on this list. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, I didn't like him coming into the season. And of course, I ended up eating crow because of it. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez is just weird to me, but he is improving his strikeout rate. If I got to if I got to congratulate Luis Robert for improving his strikeout rate, I got to do the same thing for Teoscar Hernandez. But I, after posting uh, strikeout rates of about 30 percent, and last year, it, he cut it down to 25%. I feel like next year, is gonna, it's going to go back up again, close to the 30% mark, just because uh, that's, I mean, you are who you are after a while. 
it's hard to argue against a guy who hit 32 home runs, 116 RBI, and stole 12 stolen bases and was posting remarkable a remarkable triple slash line. But look at this. According to Seamer projections, they don't, be, they don't believe in him either. They think that his 2022 triple slash line is going to be 259 average, 319 on base percentage, and a 480 slugging percentage way below his, uh, his uh, career high marks from last season. Uh, and you talk about who's a real uh, – to Luis Robert. Well, who is the real Oscar Hernandez? Because he's been known to post these ugly looking on base percentages. And then somewhere in 2020, he was able to kind of, you know, have an epiphany on how to get more on base. And he's been posting 340 on base or higher since the 2020 shortened season. But are we just going to sit here and believe that Oscar Hernandez is this guy? I rather not. <laughs> I rather not do that. But you know, we've seen we've seen plenty of late bloomers show up in Major League Baseball, so we'll see. But I rather have Luis Robert as my anchor in the outfield than Teosco Hernandez. Just as my personal um, uh, preference. Uh, I know that both come with uh, you know with very aggressive plate approaches. But at least Robert has that upside. He's he's a little bit younger, and he can be a Robert could be a 30-30 player. What you're getting for Tedesco Hernandez, I feel like you can get that from someone, some other player at a cheaper discount. So that's my bust for this top 15 increment. Let's go okay. with this. Oh, go ahead. I'm here's, sorry. Here's a here's another one, and this this may uh, sway you even more towards not picking him up. Is uh, you didn't mention is outside the swing for outside the strikes on swing percentage, which I'm surprised because. Well, I did, well, well to my let's be fair, I did say that he does have a. Uh, uh, a suspect, a plate approach. Just, that is that is very true. But yeah. let's look at it. Twenty nineteen, his yeah. outside the swing zone or outside the strike zone swing percentage, thirty point three percent. In twenty twenty, yeah. it went up to thirty four point three percent. And then you have the same in twenty twenty one, thirty four point three percent. Right yep. now, his outside the strike zone contact percentage in twenty nineteen, fifty five point six percent. In twenty twenty, fifty two point one percent. And in 2021, 52.3%. So not only is he swinging at more pitches outside the zone, Mm -hmm. but he's not making more contact. He's making the same, if not less contact as he gets older. So you're probably looking at more strikeouts and uh, weaker contact. Yeah. Then the one thing that he got even more hyper aggressive is because he's trying to attack that strike zone. I mean, his uh, swing percentage inside the strike zone have also gone up and he's improved his contact rates within the strike zone that which makes his uh, overall contact rate look much better than it has in the past. But yeah, this guy has a career contact rate of 67.7%. And I'm supposed to trust him as my first outfielder. I don't think so. Let's move on to the sleepers. Let's go with your guy, uh, Starling Marte, who's the eighth ranked, uh, outfielder, according to Tristan Cockroft. Um, so he's a, a, a spot above Luis Robert. Marte is in his 30s. The home run power doesn't seem to be there anymore, but what is still there are those wheels. Let's talk about Starling Marte, Austin. Take it away. Starling Marte for me is, and I think we, I think I said it on the last episode, Starling Marte is good at pretty much everything. He's not spectacular at one thing, but he's good at everything. Now, um, he's a pretty good all-around player. Um, I know I've talked about the all-ball a couple of times in um, in the outfield. Only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players or six players are better than Starling Marte all around according to the all-ball statistic. And people that are, and uh, players that, 
outfielders that are better than, or that Starling Marte is better than, according in 2020, Juan Soto, Mookie Betts, Chris Bryant, Aaron Judge, you know, Brian Reynolds, people that when you say outfield, that those are what you think of. And all of MLB, when you look at in terms of all of MLB, um, he's up there as well in all ball. I don't have it up right now, but I will <laughs> figure it out. Um, but he, yeah, I mean, he's, he's up there. He's doing very, very well. Um, and I think, you know, he's going to get you, he's going to get on base. He may not necessarily get you a ton of home runs, but he will get you, you know, he will get you extra base hits. He'll rack up some of those points. He'll get you some RBIs and he's not going to steal every bag. He's not going to steal a ton of bags, but he will steal bags. So I think I, I would I would say Starling Marte is going to be a good, consistent outfielder, and I would much rather have him as a um, as a first outfielder than any of the previous two that we just talked about. Um, so yeah, me my number my sleeper in the top twelve is going 15. to be or fifteen. I'm sorry, it's going yeah. to be Starling Marte. Yeah, I mean it's a decent pick, especially in, in a rotisserie league where you're uh, looking for stolen bases. The, but the one thing that I'm a little concerned with him is that he's older. I, I know age is just a number, whatever, but he's a little older, and uh, and he's getting very close to being that stolen bases only guy because he's not going to get you a lot of home runs, and he's not going to get you a lot of RBI for obvious reasons. He's at the top of the lineup as opposed to being in the heart of the lineup. Um, but you know if he can at least reach a 340 on base percentage. He could be effective in on base percentage leagues, especially with those stolen bases. And he's projected to hit uh, the 30 stolen base mark. So, so yeah, there's a lot to like about Sterling Marti, even at this advantage age. I'm sorry, he's, wow, he's 33 already. But, uh, yeah, somehow he's not slowed down by age. Age is just a number to him. So, uh, even, even being Even being at the top of the lineup, I finally got the all ball figured out and all, all okay. of MLB. He is... 21st in all of MLB in the all ball statistic. Mm -hmm. And with this all ball statistic, if you're bad at one thing, it drives your average down. It drives your all ball down. So if you're not a big ball person, it drives you down. That's why when you're looking at the, when you're looking at all of this, you know, you're looking at all the MLB, you don't see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. way up here because he's a great big ball guy. He's a great middle ball guy, but his small ball is not, is not up there. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's down a little bit. So you really have to be good at all three. So even at the top of the lineup, he's still getting enough RBIs to be ranked in the top 25 in all of MLB out of a sample size of over of 189 of 188 players, you know, he's 21st. So even being at the top of the lineup, he's still up there. And I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Age is probably going to be a little bit of a concern. He may drop a little bit, but I mean, it's better than Teoscar Hernandez or Luis Robert, in my opinion. Well, I don't think it's better than Luis Robert, but <laughs> not that I'm a White Sox fan or anything, even though I'm, this is why I had the Cubs thing to the tilt. Not, I'm not just uh, doing uh, an homage to Fernando Rodney here, although it'd be the other way around, but yeah, uh, or Pedro Strope. Uh, Chris from San Francisco, who's a big Giants fan, is uh, tuning in. Thank you for tuning in, Chris. Really appreciate it. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Uh, Aaron Judge. 
is my sleeper at the top 15. Like Aaron Judge, why? How's he a sleeper? It's just okay. by rankings, you know. I mean, Aaron Judge at one point was highly ranked as an outfielder, uh, maybe even top five. And I still believe in him. I think he could still, as far as like we talked about who's your anchor. I mean, this is like number one outfielder being selected here. You can't do worse. I mean, who's going to hate on a guy who nearly hit 40 home runs and nearly got to 100 RBI uh, is improving his uh, his uh, approach at the plate every single season? I mean, this guy used to strike out a ton, uh, and now he's cut down the strikeouts to 25%, as well as uh, keeping a double-digit walk rate of over 10%. I mean, you want to see that. That's the type of player you want to see. And, yeah, there's going to be injury concerns with him, but, I mean, he – he showed he played 148 games last year. He showed what he can do on a on a healthy when he's healthy, uh, and um, he can not just carry your fantasy team, but he can also probably carry the New York Yankees for another couple of years from uh, to come. Uh, Steamer projections love him. 41 home runs, 108 RBI. Uh, they think that they can he can come close to repeating what he did last year. Loved lots of love here. The the stack has numbers. I mean, ninety five point eight exit velocity. I know that that's not that doesn't mean uh, that he can repeat that for next year. But I mean, <laughs> look, listen to this. Statcast numbers have an, at a hard hit rate of fifty seven point nine percent. Nearly sixty percent of his uh, of the balls that are being measured by Statcast shows that Aaron Judge is just clobbering the crap out of the ball, putting barrel to the bat. Uh, there's a lot to like here uh, with him. And as a, as the a 13th uh, outfielder on this list, I think you're getting a major steal from the, uh, I would, I would think so too. Yeah. So that's, I mean, and it's Aaron judge. There's not much more left to say about him. We know who he is. Let's move on to the next tier. The next uh, 15 picks. Uh, let's start with my guy, Tyler O'Neill, who we, <laughs> I, I feel like we've been trashing him ever since uh, you and I, uh, have uh, taken, uh, have had a regular, uh, have been on regularly on this podcast. But mm-hmm. Tyler O'Neill, there's a lot to be concerned about. Yeah, the the the, the counting stats are nice. The 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 production was nice. So you got some stolen bases from him. Uh, I mean, that's that was really good. I mean, that's that's a hell of a steal if you picked him up late in the year last year. But he comes with a really awful plate approach. Hyper aggressive. Thirty one point three percent strikeout rate. Uh, and then last year was a career year for him. But is that the real Tyler O'Neill? I don't think so. I don't think that's him. I think Steamer Projections uh, has some uh, has uh, uh, has him at a very respectable uh, triple slash line that we can all agree of a 252 for 2022 batting average, 320 on base percentage as opposed to the 352 on base that he uh, hit in 2021, and a 496 slugging percentage. Now I ask you, he's a 20th outfielder on Tristan Cockers' list. Is I don't think that's well, I said I was going to ask you, but there's that top 20 material that 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 triple slash. And I just gave you the 252, 320 and 496 slugging percentage there. No, I don't think it's top 20 material. I would have ranked him a little bit lower. The other thing that concerns me is his swing percentage is going up and his contact percentage is staying the same. So, yeah, you know, you're not you're not seeing, you know, that upward, uh, upward, tw- uh, upward trend. I can't mm-hmm. talk today. Yeah. Upper trend of it's Christmas, right? Of swing percentage and contact percentage going up. Um, so you're going to see more strikeouts, which is not good in real baseball, and it's not good in fantasy baseball. So you know, I I would have ranked Tyler O'Neill lower. Yeah, it just feels like it's just a one-time thing. Now, Steamer projections 
still think that he's going to hit the big home runs, 36 of them for 2022, 13 stolen bases, 98 RBI, which is those would all be uh, uh, well, the 90 RBI for sure would be a career high for him. Uh, crushing the, the what he did in 2021. And that might uh, be because the St. Louis would put him in the middle of the lineup. It's the same reason why Nolan Arenado was able to get those gaudy numbers, those yeah. gaudy counting stats. It's just Paul Goldschmidt and you got uh, Tommy Edmond hitting in front of you. Yeah, sure. Why not? And Nolan Arenado just hitting fly balls to the warning track, hoping that they land in home runs. At least you could say that Tyler O'Neill's power is legit, but he it's, it's, it's a lot of boomer bust. And I think uh, really good uh, starting pitchers are going to take advantage of that. So I would stay uh, clear. Uh, it, like you said, if he were ranked a little lower, then you might consider. But at the number 20 spot, that's uh, a little bit too pricey for me for a guy who uh, has a lot of holes in his swings. It seems like your bust is Byron Buxton. We just talked about him being the uh, in the form of Luis Robert. Uh, I, I take it you don't like these athletic guys either, huh? I'm not. I'm not. It's not that I don't <laughs> like. It's not that I don't like Byron Buxton. I think Byron Buxton is a good player. Mm-hmm. And I thought if he stayed healthy last year, he would have had a career year and probably would have been in the, in the discussion of AL MVP if he kept going. Problem was he only played 61 games last year. He only had 254 plate appearances the year before that. He only had 39 games. It was a 60 game season. He only played a little over half that season, 2019, 87 games, 2018, 28 games. He he's only had, he's played seven seasons in the bigs so far, seven seasons, only one season has he played over a hundred games. And that was 2017. That was, that was, five that was four five years ago yeah right so that is why i'm i have buxton as my bust and i will continue to have him as my bust until he can prove to me that he will stay on the field and produce it's the same it's the same uh with luis robert right you can't produce if you're not on the field and you can't produce you you can't produce for your team and you can't produce for a fantasy team with 61 games you can't do that so you know in my mind he was a bust in 2021 and i think he'll be a bust this year unless he can stay on the field all right i mean that's fair those are all fair points uh eventually you will have to take some risks i mean for at least but they're all calculated risks right and for me Luis Robert is not that big of a calculated risk byron buxton is one for me though i mean he's getting older and and you know bless his heart he does play hard but there's a price to pay when you pay, when you play that hard and we're seeing it every year. You can't stay healthy. So that is a concern. He's your number 18th uh, out best outfielder, according to Tristan Cockroaches of ESPN. Um, so I've at 18, a lot of, can you imagine selling yourself? Oh, outfield is full of death. There's a lot of outfielders to choose from. I'll just wait a little longer before I pick my first outfielder and looking you right in the eye is Byron Buxton. And that's who you're going to go with as your anchor. At, at Byron Buxton, your number one outfielder on yeah, your fantasy no, team. I wouldn't do it. Well, what if he, you, if you were able to match him, uh, pair him up with your sleeper, Randy Arozarena? How's your outfield looking then, huh? I say it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I would think so too because Randy Arozarena is consistent. So if um, if Buxton goes down, I know that I have Arozarena in order to, you know, that will consistently produce for me. Um, Randy Arozarena in terms of all ball 
is in the top five. He's fifth. He's the mm. fifth best outfielder um, in terms of all ball um, overall. Randy Arozarena is 15th in all of MLB. So he's going to produce for you. And he's going to be right in the middle of that. I'm sure he'll either be second, third in that Rays lineup. I don't know. What, I don't have roster resource up right now, so I don't know where he's at. But oh, um, gotcha. Go he, ahead. Uh, I, I'm sure he's going to be right in the middle of that Rays lineup. So he's going to get you those RBIs. And we know the Rays are going to stick around. He's, pro- he's projected right now to be fourth, according to roster, uh, roster resource. So he's going to be right in that prime RBI spot you know, batting in front of people like Austin Meadows and Brandon Lau, Wander Franco, Wander Franco's going to get on base, you know, so he's going to, he's going to hit these guys around and get, get the RBIs. I think Randy Rosarena would be a really, really good pick. Um, maybe not necessarily. You could pick him as an anchor. I could think of a few other people that I would pick before Randy Rosarena, but you know, he could be, a, a pretty good steal if you're looking at, you know, second, third, fourth round, and he's still there. I'd pick him up. One concern about Rosarena is he doesn't hack up pitches. You know, he does have a pretty high strikeout rate. He doesn't. He's not a hacker. He, he's a very patient guy. I mean, it's, he's a Tampa Bay race prospect. Of course, he's going to be patient and have this uh, nice approach. But one thing he can't do is hit with consistent contact outside the strike zone. Now it's only a small sample size because we haven't really seen what he can do. Um, but he also comes with a very low con- overall contact rate to begin with. So that's kind of concerning. Uh, and Austin, are you frozen? Oh my God. I thought, I thought I lost you. <laughs> what the hell was that? I see. You're just staying. You're just sitting still right there. I'm listening intently. <laughs> oh my God. You didn't even blink. How do you do that? I'm listening intently. It's my teacher look. Clearly, it is. It must be <laughs> every year, every every week. I, I learn something new about you and, and your profession as well. Um, anyway, uh, below seventy percent contact rate. I mean, we just were talking smack about Teoscar Hernandez, but the difference is Hernandez is a wild swinger, and Rosarena is very patient. So I'm thinking to myself, well, what, what's the difference here? And that means that if a pitch is going into the strike zone, he's attacking it uh, very aggressively. Because he he knows that he, he may not see another one like that, but in terms of uh, you know that uh, inside the strike zone swing percentage, he's not. It's nothing special. He's not. Uh, you know, he doesn't rank way way high up there among the elite. I mean, he has a similar uh, strike zone inside the strike zone, a swinging strike rate inside the strike zone. He has a, he has the same one as Aaron Judge, Joey Gallo. Uh, uh, Nolan Arenado, those guys. So that puts him what in the top 100, but it's nothing elite. So it's it's a, it's a very strange one that he doesn't strike. Uh, I mean, he he is improving his strikeout rate, but he still strikes out at a pretty high clip. Um, doesn't walk a lot, but he's a very patient hitter who doesn't make a lot of contact. So that might be a concern, but we'll see. I mean, this guy has been just improving every single time that he steps on the field. So maybe we'll see improvements in contact rates for next season. Uh, steamer projections love him as a potential 2020 guy. Uh, and as your 21st ranked outfielder, according to Tristan Cockroft, uh, that might be the steady option compared to uh, Byron Buxton or, uh, I forgot who my pick was. Oh, I haven't, I haven't done my pick yet. You haven't done your pick. No, I'll do my picks right now. Uh, Chris Taylor, 
Uh, I this is a boring pick. I don't care what he did last year. You missed, he is, you missed your sleeper. I haven't done my bus yet. I haven't done my bus yet. Oh my god! No, what? Okay, no, I, I I'm jumping the gun. You're right. Sorry about that. Who the hell was my bus in this round? Uh, Tyler O'Neill. Okay, that yeah, that's sense. right. Okay, my bad. Okay, so let, forget what I said about Chris Hill. Let's go with my sleeper, Christian Yelich. That's right. I'm not giving up, guys. I am not giving up. I'm not. I'm never gonna give up on Christian Yelich. Maybe this might be the last year. Maybe maybe next year might be the last year. I don't care. Twenty fourth ranked outfielder. This guy was a top five outfielder not too long ago. Um, a former MVP candidate. He just turned thirty. Uh, so that is a little bit of a concern, but it, it, you know what? He has yet to, to really break down uh, because those last few years, they don't count. Let's just put, put, put it out there. They don't count. You can't just not count two seasons of. Oh, but we can, we can, we can discount uh, multiple seasons of high value production out of Kristen Yelich, who actually co- does come with a lot of uh, baseball skills that we look for in this podcast. Come on, man. Uh, strikeout rates are low uh, compared to the guys we talked about. I mean, Eros Arena, Buxton, Robert, Tesco Hernandez, those guys have higher strikeout rates. The difference is Yelich also can come close to matching it with his walk rate. He had it uh, high at a 14.7% walk rate. So there's nothing wrong with his batting eye. There's nothing wrong with his approach. It's just can he put the ball, the, the, the barrel of the bat on the ball? And go back to those MVP numbers from 2019 and 2018 um, where he really turned his career around when he got traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, And I can already hear the cynics out there, Austin. Well, uh, you know, since uh, the the Astros got caught cheating, all of a sudden, Kristen Yelich, who was also accused of stealing, uh, getting help from uh, stolen signs, uh, which, you know, if you really think about it, Austin, uh, David Stearns, the general manager, he came from the Houston Astros. So there might be something to that theory, but whatever that case, uh, he still is able to uh, uh, produce an exit velocity over 90 miles per hour. Uh, He's never gone below that mark. Uh, The barrel rate is down. I'll give you that. But the hard hit rate is still kind of healthy at 48.4% according to StatCast. Uh, A lot of this uh, triple slash sign that we didn't like from last year, it they're suggesting that it should have been a lot better according to the StatCast expected data. So there's a lot to like here. The one thing I don't like is that he's going back to his old ways of grounding, uh, of, of, of putting a lot of ground balls. Uh, to, and that, that's the thing that uh, kind of hurt him in Miami. But he was able to kind of uh, overcome those issues here in Milwaukee. I'm hoping that those don't become issues anymore, that he can go and find ways to lift the ball like he did when he was like the, one of the best, not just a top five outfielder, but top five player in all of baseball. And of course the plate discipline numbers are all, they're all decent. I mean, the, the, for a power hitter like him, who's supposed to be a power hitter, there's not a lot to hate here. So I'm hoping and looking for a big bounce back season from Kristen Yelich. We'll see. I think the main problem here with Yelich is when you look at roster resource, he doesn't have, he has, he he's projected to bat third in that lineup behind Willie Adamas, who, has done really well since being traded from Tampa to uh, Milwaukee. Yep. But then he's in front of Rowdy Telez. Now, if I'm a pitcher and yep. I'm doing the scouting report and I'm trying to figure out whether I want to focus more on Christian Yelich 
or Rowdy Telez, I'm going to pick Christian Yelich. So Christian Yelich is going to get harder pitches to hit. It's not like you've got, you know, a, um, a threat power hitter. I mean, Telez has some thump, but yeah, you know, he, he's not one that I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on Christian Yelich out of everybody in this lineup. So yeah. yeah, he may, he may have that problem of he's still the guy that they're focusing on and they're really trying to make sure that he's not the one that beats them. So, you know, you could see, I don't know. I think it's the same as Cody Bellinger. I don't, I don't think that he'll have as terrible of a season, yeah, but I don't yeah. see him going back to the MVP that he was a couple of years ago. Yeah. And that's, and just to keep that, uh, those expectations, uh, there, uh, steamer has him at 25 home runs and 12 stolen bases. So if you're in a road league and if you're looking for a second or third outfielder, uh, Christian Yelich might be there for you at that spot. If you're lucky, um, and then the on-base percentage is still pretty damn high at 362 from last year, 368 for steamer projections and a much better slugging percentage. Uh, so that's the expectation. And like you said, they're not MVP caliber. Um, so, but you know, there's always that potential with Christian Yelich. Like we just, and it could be that injuries have taken a toll on him and, uh, just the wear and tear of uh, playing baseball since you were, uh, Major League Baseball since you were, how old was he when he was drafted? He was 18 years old when he was drafted by the Marlins. Uh, and just playing all those games, it might it will take a toll on you. But, you know, like I said, he's only 30 years old. I mean, most people tell me 30 is not that old. I say it is old, but with Christian Yelich, let's just erase what happened last year, take baby steps to improvement, and you might have yourself a good second or third outfielder if you play your cards right. Moving on to, well, since I already mentioned, I'll go ahead and make my bus pick right now. And that is uh, uh, Chris Taylor. Uh, I, I know people saw the postseason and saw his heroics, but you know what? I've also seen this guy just disappoint time and time again. And not and not a lot, much of it is his fault. A lot of it is because the Dodgers have so many players to uh, go and play that they just kind of use Chris Taylor as a as a super utility player, which is great for real baseball, but frustrating for fantasy baseball. Um, and uh, he. Let's see what he did. So last year to get to the 20 home runs, he also increased the strikeout rate. Uh, he also chipped in 13 stolen bases. So I know uh, Roto people will love that. Steamer projections are saying, nah, he's not that 2015 guy. He's more of an 18-9 guy, 18 home runs, nine stolen bases. Uh, and he will post another subpar batting average of 244, according to Steamer projections uh, in 2022. So that's going to hurt your batting average. And he's just not a very excitable guy for a guy who's ranked 37th overall. So that puts him in third or fourth outfield, um, which is, I guess it's okay for fantasy baseball. For, but if I'm looking for a third or fourth outfielder, I want someone with, you know, more consistency. There has to be better players than him out there. At least guys with more upside. Chris, uh, Chris Taylor is already 31 years old. Oh, for Felipe, you already you were talking so radiantly about Kristen Yelich. Yeah, well, Kristen Yelich is good. Still. I mean, he still has some skill sets that we all look for uh, in both real and fantasy baseball. Chris Hiller is a nice player, but he's not, I don't know. For me, he's never been a difference maker in fantasy. Um, so, uh, I'm, so I'm, I might be eating crow th uh, this time next year, but I'd rather not. I'd rather, not I, I'd rather go and see what else is out there at outfielder. And there's plenty of outfielders out there to look at, including one, uh well let's just go let's skip it let's let's prove a point here so 37th ranked chris taylor i'm telling you skip him because you can always get 
the 45th ranked uh, best outfielder, Mark Hanna. That's Austin Sleeper. Go ahead and tell the kids why you like Mark Hanna so much. I love Mark Hanna. I love Mark Hanna. Um, Mark Hanna is another one. He can do it. He can do a lot. He can, you know, he's got a little bit of pop now that he's away from the cavernous Oakland Coliseum and he's uh, out in New York. He's, you know, with the Mets, he, he, I can see his power numbers going up. Um, He can get on base. I mean, he was, he's been in the uh, A system. So, you know, he can get on base. He had a 358 OBP last year. And I think Mark Canna's biggest problem was he's been a platoon player, right? He's been the backup first baseman for Matt Olson. Yeah. Matt Olson. And then he's been a platoon right fielder out in Oakland. Right. Which is fine. But, you know, again, like you said, for fantasy baseball, it makes it really hard. Last year, he had an all star season. I had him on my lineup and he did wonders for me. He did really well. On top of that, he qualifies for first base and the outfield. Okay. And now he's in the Met system projected to bat sixth and consistently in the outfield with their new hire, Buck Showalter. You know, he's going to get some playing time. You know, he's not going to be uh, necessarily a platoon player anymore. He's going to get some solid playing time. I would very much like to see what he can do with regular playing time, not being a platoon player. Because even being a platoon player, he's in the top 15 in outfield in in the all-ball statistic. And then he is, uh, in all of MLB, he is right, he's right in there too. I got to find him because there's a ton of names. But he is, uh, he's right in there too. So I'm, I'm betting that Mark Canna, there he is, he's, uh, 38th in all of MLB being a platoon player. So think about if he had regular playing time, I think the regular playing time is going to be good for Mark Canna on top of the fact that he's batting around people like, uh, Francisco Lindor, who you, who, you know, is not going to necessarily, you know, he's not going to stay down. You have Pete Alonzo, you have, you know, Eduardo Escobar, you have Starling Marte on there. This is a better Mets lineup. So they're not going to be focusing on Mark Canna. Right. So I think because they're not going to be focusing on Mark Canna, his numbers are going to go up a little bit. And I think he's going to be a pretty good little pickup for a fantasy for a fantasy team. Yeah. And basically I'm looking at the numbers and it, and it's uh, it Mark Canna is a cheaper version of Chris Taylor. Uh, you can wait a little longer for him and there's not that threat that he's going to be moved around. I mean, right now, Chris Taylor is, is uh, penciled in as the starting uh, second baseman um, for the Dodgers, but there's always Gavin Lux lurking, you know, There's a, and Matt Beatty's going to need some at-bats. And the Dodgers, last I checked, they still have a pretty decent uh, farm system. Well, who's coming up for the Dodgers? Um, I guess Michael Bush. That's one guy. Although, because of years of competing, it doesn't look as strong as before. <laughs> so, yeah. so Well, because uh, they're tra- they've traded away. They, you know, they traded away some prospects for – uh, Turner and Scherzer, you yeah. know, so their, their farm system isn't looking as good as it used to be, but you know, but if they decide not to trade any more guys, I mean, you still got Michael Bush coming up. He's, he's going to be in AAA. You got Jacob Amaya who might be coming up. He's still in AAA. Who's he's a listed as a shortstop, but you know, the Dodgers are going to force him to play everywhere. Um, yeah, but it's not as strong as it used to be in years past. Andy pages will be in double a, but if he is able to show that he can be a real deal and move, 
up in AAA really quickly, then maybe the Dodgers might be forced to bring him up as well. So there's always, but yeah, my point is once those uh, prospects are up, it's, it's Chris Taylor watch. Like when is he going to be benched? When is he going to be uh, platooned all over the diamond just because that's what the Dodgers do. So, or as opposed to Mark Hanna, you just mentioned Buck Showalter, kind of an old school guy. I want my lineup set for as much as possible. I'm not going to mess around with it. Mark Hanna is going to be my number six guy and he's going to be my starting left fielder. I don't care that I got JD Davis and Dominic Smith toiling in the bench. I don't give a damn. Mark Hanna's my guy. So, uh, by the way, since 2018, Mark Hanna has posted a three, uh, has averaged a 366 on base percentage, which for a guy uh, ranked this low, you would gladly take that. Um, f- yeah, you would gladly take that from a player of his caliber. Let's go to your bust, and it's Andrew Vaughn. Again, you're just pissing off the White Sox fans here. Uh, I'll admit it, though. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, was uh, well, all the playing time that he got last year, he kind of disappointed. I know I was disappointed in him. that He couldn't take full advantage of his of his role. This is a former first-round pick. Yeah, top three pick overall in the 2019 June amateur draft. Uh, we were ex- I was expecting a, a lot better than that. Uh, what other issues do you have with Andrew Vaughn here? I think, I think a big problem – you can't even say that. I was going to say, I think a big problem with Andrew Vaughn was they moved him around a lot, but I mean, he played 95 games in left field. He played 18 in right field, 15 at first base, one at second and two at third, you know? So he, he saw some pretty significant playing time in one position, but Tristan Cockroft has him as what the number, what is he? 39, some... 39, 39 player. And you know, for outfield in fantasy baseball. But when you look at it, he has a 92 OPS plus 92 for, um, for the 2021 season. What, what, why, (laughs) like how in the world did he get that high with a 92 OPS plus how in the world did he get that high with a 235 batting average, a 309 OBP and a 396 slugging. He only hit 15 home runs. Like this guy is not the number 39. I can think of a ton of other outfielders that are going to be a better pickup than Andrew Vaughn. For me, if you're going to pick up Andrew Vaughn, he's going to be a late round pickup because I need another outfielder on the bench. I'm well, not. Going- let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Okay. Andrew Vaughn or Jared Klenick? Uh, oh, oh, see, you said that you can pick better outfielders than Andrew Vaughn. So let's go. Andrew Vaughn or Jared Kalenic. Uh, I would probably go with Kalenic over. All right. Jorge Soler. Mm. He's a free agent though. Yeah. He's a, he's a free agent. I don't, I don't know if I would pick Jorge Soler. Oh, so see, you're he's lying. A little, you're a liar. A, I am not. That's, that's not one true. guy. That's one guy. One right, guy. How AJ many Pollock, okay, are there AJ, in the MLB? AJ Pollock or Andrew Vaughn? I'm just going through Cockroft's list here. These are guys who are ranked lower than Andrew Vaughn. So would you take Pollock over Andrew Vaughn? I would probably take Pollock. Probably? Oh, you were so sure about your statement from before. See, this is why we don't speak in hyperbolic uh, measures here. Uh-huh. Uh, Lourdes Goriel or Andrew Vaughn? Goriel. Okay, now now that's a little bit more affirmative, right? Okay, Hunter Renfro. Uh, I would go Renfro over Vaughn. Okay, now we know you you have a love affair with Marcana, Andrew Benintendi, or Andrew Vaughn. Mm, Benintendi. All right, so I guess uh, you're not that big of a liar after all. I uh, told you one guy, one guy. <laughs> I'm not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. Uh, well, Andrew Vaughn. 
the the reason that he's ranked so high, it's mostly upside. I mean, he has a top three pick. He is a you look at his uh, prospect grade uh, from Fangraphs. Uh, he had a 55 hit tool, but with the potential to go all the way up to 70, like a real hitter's hitter here uh, with the power to match. The one thing he doesn't have is speed. So he, he would just be focusing um, on the hitting and plate approach and plate discipline aspect of things, right? Uh, and with the hopes that that would translate into some 25 home run power, right? Uh, fielding is bad, which makes it which makes it frustrating to see that that now he he can't play first base because Jose Abreu is there. So now he has to play left field and and learn those new positions in a hurry. So I don't know. It's a, it's brand new baseball. You got to be ready to play wherever you, your your manager asks you. But in, in Andrew Vaughn's case, a guy who had low field grades to begin with, I could see how that could mess him up. So we'll see what happens next year. But I mean, if he wants to play, that's what he has to do. He has to just play all over the diamond. Um, <clears throat> What had, what did he do in the minors? Uh, yeah, see, there's not enough playing time. He had one season in the minors, and then COVID happened. But uh, but he was able to be somewhat productive in the minors. So you kind of hang your hat and and go for that upside. He's only 24 years old, or he will be 24 years old once the season starts. So maybe you go. Maybe that's why he's ranked so high, according to Tristan Cockcroft, in the top 40 uh, ahead of guys we just mentioned. Uh, and finally, the plate discipline, uh, he's pretty patient, although he's a pretty aggressive when it comes to pitches outside the strike zone, but he makes plenty of contact to make up for it. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's a real professional hitter, uh, uh, potentially. And that potential might lead to those big home runs, big runs, big RBI number, big run production. So we shall see. But I agree. He needs to show me something at this point because he did have that opportunity and he kind of squandered it. Um on a, on a white side team that, I mean, if, if, if Andrew Vaughn comes out and is able to carry that team on his back, uh, along with Jose Abreu, despite the fact that Robert and Haloy Jimenez are injured, I mean, that's a, that would be a hell of a different storyline than what we saw last year. And that way Tony LaRusso doesn't get all the credit in the world, but Hey, that's the thing. LaRusso loves him. So that's, that's a, it's a step in the right direction for him. Let's go with your, where are we now? I don't know. Oh, okay. So we are on this aspect. We are on picks 40s. Oh, you know what? I haven't got my sleeper yet. I am so sorry. Let's see if we can move this fast here. Jared Klenick, uh, for the same reasons I mentioned about, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Andrew Vaughn. Jared Klenick's a number 40 uh, ranked outfielder, according to Tristan Cockruff. And it's the same reasoning. Uh, it, it's a high skill uh high pedigree player in terms of prospects he was the sixth pick overall in the 2018 draft um and he, we know that he struggled last year that he was not the guy that we were promised to have but you know i, I will say to the day i die that if the mariners don't mess around with them and just bring them up with them and forget this uh nonsense about the super two because you're no you're not gonna uh, well that's a difference Different topic because I'm I'm gonna be on a soapbox if I start talking about what what they should have done here, uh, but yeah, you mess around with his playing time and he was still was able to get 14 home runs and six stolen bases and this is a guy who can potentially get to that 20 stolen base threshold so we kind of uh, are looking to do that uh, to see that from him I mean 12 stolen bases according to Seamer projections for the 2022 season and along with 22 home runs you'll take that this especially this late in the, in, in, on the list here. Uh, what was his plate discipline numbers? Because they must have been pretty bad. I mean, he some, he looked overmatched. And yeah, 32. So these are kind of similar to what Andrew Vaughn was doing. Uh, respectable contact rate. So there is some hope for Jared Kalenic, uh to kind of turn it around and, and what do you call it? 
live up to those expectations. The one thing I don't like is, is the Mariners love to play everybody. It's like the little league rules here that like you got to play everybody at least once. Kalenic's in, in a platoon as of right now in center field with, uh, who do we agree with? Dylan Moore. Okay. That's, <laughs> it's just your future, guys. It's just your future. Oh, but we have that extra year to make a decision. I go, okay, take your extra year and shove it, all right? You're messing up this poor kid's Here's uh, the difference. Here's a difference potential. between Kalenic. Here's a difference between Kalenic and Vaughn. Yeah. Kalenic kept bouncing up and down between AAA and the majors. Then he go back down to AAA. Then he go back up to the majors. Then he went back down to AAA, right? He kept bouncing back and forth. Andrew Vaughn didn't do that. Andrew yeah. Vaughn just played in, in the bigs all year, all year last year. He had a pretty big sample size, and he still sucked. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I would believe in Jared Kalenic more than Andrew Vaughn as long as Kalenic gets – more consistent playing time in the bigs. You keep bouncing him back and forth between the minors and the majors. He's not going to do, there aren't very many ball players are going to do very well bouncing back and forth like that. No, it, it is a, it is a timing issue. It is a, it is a, it's a frustrating issue, but the one thing you got to account for is that the man, that's the, the thing Mariners, Mariners are loaded in the outfield uh, Vaughn. They hadn't, the West has had no choice, but to keep him up here because of the injuries and because there was nobody else uh, better to take out Andrew Vaughn. And like I said, La Russa loves a kid. So if La Russa loves him, I mean, we saw what happens when La Russa doesn't like a player. They disappear. Yeah. Andrew Vaughn is loved by La Russa. He stays up. He's not going anywhere. And uh, Kalenic, I mean, the, the the issue with their manners is that they do have some depth. I mean, Dylan Moore, I, I know I trash him all the time, but he stole 21 bases last year. How he could, how the hell did he steal 21 bases if he can't even get on base? That's beyond me. But they also have Taylor Trammell as well, who is also a highly regarded prospect. And uh, and they can move around Jake Fraley, Mitch Haniger. I feel like there's more guys that they have. Oh, I guess not. And then you and guess what? Guess what's going to happen? Julio Rodriguez is going to come up and he's going to need some playing time. So that that's the issue that the Mariners have. So that's a, a warning for future Jerry Clinic owners. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, we are getting close to that hour mark, I believe. So let's try to do some speed uh, points here, starting with your guy, Charlie Blackman. He's your bust, ranked number 60th overall, as we now go to the 46 to 60 uh, increment here. Uh, what is your deal with Charlie Blackman, and why do you hate him so much? Uh, Charlie, I, I've, I've loved Chuck Nasty for a long time. I've always thought he was a you know pretty good ball player, was a staple in that Rocky system. The problem is he's on a steady decline, and he's not getting any younger. Right. He's getting into his age 35 season and he's had a steady decline in uh, batting average. Um, his OBP is, is, has stayed up, but his slugging has gone down, even though he's in, you know, Coors Field. Um, OPS plus is on the decline. He's, in my opinion, he's on a steady decline. And I'm not quite sure that he's going to be super productive. Um, especially with a Colorado lineup that quite frankly is a joke. Um, hey. it, you know, so wow, I don't know. Man. I, do you guys, you, you, you know, you've, you've heard my rant on route on round trippers at how terrible of an organization Colorado is right now. So, yeah. you know, I really don't see Charlie Blackman doing really anything that's of any substance for, uh, a 
you know, a fantasy team. You may pick him up once or twice if he's got a, you know, off the waiver wire, if he's got a good matchup coming up, but I wouldn't have him on my, on my team. He's on a steady decline. He's getting older. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to really consider Charlie Blackman. Well, uh, I won't just because he's old. I tend not to draft a lot of old players. Uh, but one thing I will say is that uh, if you're looking this late in, I mean, what is number 60th pick? If you wait around for outfield and you look around and you still need a third or fourth or even a fifth outfielder and you see Charlie Blackman, I'd take a flyer. I mean, 19 home run projection, 346 on base percentage, 454 slugging percentage are the steamer projections. 454 would be a lot better than he has done in the last couple of seasons. And he would be right in the middle of the lineup in front of CJ Crone, who has proven that he can hit anywhere. He can hit bombs wherever he is. And especially at, um, at course field, a full season of CJ Crone at course field. I, I can't wait to see what that looks like. Um, as uh, CJ Crone, I feel like he, I mean, I, he played 142 games last year. CJ Crone did, but I feel like, like he didn't play as much like as, he, as he should have. Like he was uh, hurt for a lot uh, to start out the year, I feel like. But I might be misremembering things. But I mean, C.J. Cohn hit 30 home runs, uh, is projected to hit 30 home runs. Charlie Blackman should be what scoring, be the benefactor in terms of runs uh, scored. Maybe he goes from 76 runs to 80, 85 runs. Right now, Steamer has him at 71. But if Crone is going to be hitting bombs for you, 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 you can see that go up to 80. So if you're in a Roto League, that might be important to you. Uh, and I don't know. I feel like if you just leave this lineup alone and don't mess around with it too much, it'll be fine. You got Brendan Rogers, Connor, Joe, Ryan McMahon. I know those are not household names, but those guys prove that they can be somewhat competent playing in course field. So we'll see just, man. Just I mean, I'll, I'll admit, maybe I'm being a little bit hyperbolic about, I, just, I mean, I agree. You can trash the organization, the front office ownership, yeah. that that's a piece of crap, but don't yeah. take it on the players, man. The players are yeah. just, they're you know, just collateral they're, damage. They've got some promising young guys, but I don't know. I don't. I know that. I, I, do any of us see Colorado making an impact? I don't think so. No. Um, and, I, <laughs> I, and going back to Charlie Blackman, I don't think Charlie Blackman is going to really do anything of substance. So, you know, I'm. I have him as my bust. I. Yeah. You know, I don't really think he's going to do anything. Let's go with my bust, the number 47 ranked Adam Duvall, which what happens a lot is that uh, people see a guy like Adam Duvall uh, in primetime games. Like, by the way, good morning to the Step Back podcast, both Leon and Jacob. Uh, I saw that they were tuning in uh, while we were talking about some of those other outfielders we were talking about. Uh, Adam Duvall. I know, oh, but he had 38 home runs, got 113 RBI, chipped in five stolen bases. Uh, he also hit 228 with an on-base percentage of 281 last year. I'm sorry, the, the I'm not. I don't care how many home runs you hit. I don't care how many RBIs you're gonna mess up my my rate stats. I don't want you on my team. He also comes with a 31% strikeout rate, uh, which that's his norm. That's that's who he is. I mean, maybe that's a little bit higher than his career norm, but I mean, you're talking close to a 30% career norm for Adam Duvall in terms of strikeout rate. I'm sorry, I could do better than this guy. But he's going to get drafted very highly because, oh, well, I saw him in the World Series, so that means he's good. You know, he's hitting bombs everywhere. All right, you go and take that. You go and take this part-time player. He should, he should be a part-time player, but he's not because the Braves uh, um, probably didn't um, shore up their outfield before the lockout. Why would they? They're the Atlanta Braves. They don't do anything. Uh, 
unless mm-hmm. it's last year. But <laughs> uh, yeah, he's uh, penciled in right in the heart of that order uh, at the number five spot. They're assuming that Marcel Azuna is going to be back, which I don't think he is. But yeah, if he gets the playing time, he he will uh, get those counting stats. But it's going to come at the price of really bad rate stats. And I, I, I don't need that in my life. So I am staying clear away from Adam Duvall in this draft. Uh, let's go back to your sleeper, which is Robbie Grossman. That's a guy you've been talking a lot about um, for a while now. Go ahead and recap a couple of things that you like about Robbie Grossman there. I think Robbie Grossman is a great sleeper. Um, I think, you know, he's not, he, I mean, he's in, he plays for the Tigers, so he's not going to hit 30, 40 bombs, um, but he will get you some good, um, some good power, you know, hitting the gaps, hit it over the fence, you know, uh, quite a few times for being a Tiger. Um, he, you know, he's got some good on base. His all ball number is sixth best in all of MLB. Um, you know, when he's last year, he had a better season than a number of people in this, in like, Oh my God, I cannot talk right now. He had a, he had a better season in terms of the all ball statistic, you know, than a number of really great MLB players and players that we have said were sleepers and he's right there with them. And nobody ever knew Mm -hmm. he's a very under, I think he's an underrated player. Um, I'm pretty sure he, I mean, he is an outfielder, obviously. I think he qualifies under an an infield position. I could be wrong though. Um, But I don't know. I, I like Robbie Grossman. Do I like Robbie Grossman enough for him to be my anchor? No, but um, I think he is somebody to consider as, you know, a fringe starting, maybe first bench, you know, type of outfielder. I think he's a good consideration to be um, picked up. And, you know, that Tigers, uh, that Tigers lineup has gotten a little bit better. Um, you got Badu, um, who you got to consider now. You have, Baez, I guess. Um, you have Candelario, you have Jonathan Scope, uh, Spencer Torkelson is supposed to be coming up. Um, so that looks better than last year already. It, yeah, I mean, it looks it looks better than last year. So, you know, I, I could foresee uh Robbie Grossman's numbers going up and him being more productive. I would I would consider him. I'd I'd take I'd take a I'd take a flyer out on him. Yeah, I mean, this late in the draft, you should. I mean, number 57, the ranked outfielder here. Um, definitely got to take advantage. I mean, that's fourth or fifth outfield material. If that's your fifth outfielder or whatever, it's a hell of a steal. I mean, yeah. especially if he, if he hits anywhere close to these projections, 17 home runs, 15 stolen bases, 346 on base percentage. The batting average is a little low, uh, but we'll see. But I don't know. At this point, he is who he is in terms of batting average. But if you're in on-base leagues like I am, uh, he's definitely a guy – that you will probably want to keep an eye on, especially with a improving Tigers team. Uh, where are we now? Oh, my sleeper pick in this uh, increment. Uh, by the way, uh, Jacob of the Step Back Podcast, who uh, was replacing you last week. So thank you once again for doing that, Jacob. He's did a great job. That, nice job, Jacob. Yeah. And he's also a rival in both the Fantasy Basketball League and our Fantasy Baseball League as well. So uh, fuck your teams. Um <laughs> He says that, hey, now, Adam Duvall plays well against the Mets. So there's that. So maybe that's a daily daily thing, a daily fantasy thing. Like If you see Duvall play against the Mets, just start him. He'll be hitting those home runs in bunches (laughs) then. Uh, My guy is 
oops, wrong list. My guy, my sleeper pick in this increment, 46 to 60, uh, according to Cockroft's list. Number 49th ranked, Dylan Carlson. And uh, this is a guy, another one of those uh, highly regarded uh, prospects from the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, took him a while to get some uh, consistent playing time, but he got 619 plate appearances. He only hit 18 home runs. That's okay. That's just the beginning of greater things to come. Has marvelous plate discipline, respectable uh, uh, at, at batting average and on-base percentage for his first full season. So there's a lot to like here, with along with a 113 WRC+. plus. Again, only his first year uh, where he got regular playing time. Hopefully the Cardinals, as they are wont to do, they seem to uh, lose patience with a lot of their outfield, but they can just go to their minor league system and bring up some other scrub and like a Tyler O'Neill. And, and then all of a sudden they're productive on this team. But right now, Dylan Carlson's supposed to be batting number five. He has a right field position all to himself. So that's what you want to see. Steamer projections has him hitting 20 home runs, taking the next step. Uh, and still with that marvelous uh, strikeout to walk ratio. And, you know, I say marvelous. I mean, I'm just saying I'm, it's all relative. You know, as a rookie, it looks good. I know 0.40 is nothing to uh, brag about. But um, let me see. What did he do in the minors? Did he was that all he did? Yeah, he's he's shown that he's uh, in the minors that he can post very high, uh, a decent amount of uh, walk per strikeout ratios. So, you know, he's getting close to that double digit walk percentage so that you love to see that, especially in on base percentage leagues. Uh, batted ball. He could uh, try to hit the ball a little bit harder. Uh, he does tend to pull the ball a lot. Um, doesn't hit with much authority, but that's okay. It's only the beginning. He's only 23 years old. So the arrow is definitely pointing up on this guy. So this is a potential. There's an upside pick for me. That's all it is. But it could be a hell of an upside. Uh, and he can also might chip in some stolen bases. He, I thought I saw that in the minors, that like he was able to steal some. Uh, let's see how many still. Yeah, he has one season of 18 stolen bases in 2019, uh, way back in double A. So to get a 20, a close to a 2020 guy this late in the draft, I, I, I don't know. That, that's that to me, that's just the epitome of what uh, uh, of what a sleeper pick should look like. Uh, so, well, I'm expecting bigger things from Dylan Carlson. I'll be definitely targeting him in, um, <clears throat> in drafts in 2022. All right. That's the number of 49 picks. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, ranked Dylan Carlson. Now all we're focusing on are sleeper picks, all right? Because, yeah, the, the, now we're getting very late in this, uh, not just in this podcast, but we're getting late in this, uh, in this this on this list of ESPN's uh, top 125 outfielders. From, from 61 to 75, we'll start with you. You took my thunder. You stole my guy. You got Harrison Bader at number 62, uh, probably for the same reasons that I mentioned for Dylan Carlson. But go ahead and tell the kids why you like Harrison Bader so much. Yeah, it's going to be the same thing as uh, Dylan Carlson. He's got a great upside. He had a, a pretty good season last year. Uh, you know, his slash line was uh, 267, 324, 460. He had a 116 OPS plus. Um, you know, he's he only played 103 games, but I mean, he won a gold glove last year. So that, you know, that may gain him some more playing time. Um, and I don't know. I just, I have a good feeling about Bader. I've always had a good feeling about Bader. I like Harrison Bader. Um, I think he is going to do very well for this Cardinals lineup. Uh, his, he may, he has a great contact rate. Um, you know, he has a very, very high contact rate, which I, which I personally like to see. Um, so, and 
his strikeout percentage is a little high, 24 point or 24%. Um, and his, or 21.2%, I'm sorry, last year, which is way down from 2020 at 32%. So that's actually his lowest in his career, which is good to see. His mm-hmm. walk percentage has dropped, though, at 6.7. So that is probably something that you're looking um, to be a little concerned about. But overall, I like Harrison Bader. He's got yeah. a good contact rate, and I I don't know. I, I like him. I think I just got a good feeling about that guy. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my sleeper. But then you, I saw that you took him, so I'm like, well, I, and this list sucks, man. This list is full of garbage players. I, I almost wanted, yeah. wanted to skip this. Uh, but I do have a guy. But, again, it's going to be another upside pick. But, yeah, there's a lot to like about Bader. Uh, he is a little bit more aggressive than Carlson. Uh, but if he can put it together, he could be exciting. I mean, the Cardinals have a hell of an outfield going for them next season, as yep. they always uh, do. And, and, again, if it doesn't work out, they'll just give up on him and get some other guy. Let's go to their uh, great value uh, Kroger supermarket and just pick up the next guy. Maybe Alec Burleson will come up and take playing time away from some of these guys. But Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson, it's a hell of a trio in the outfield. My outfielder at this increment, number 65 ranked, Joe Adele. And if Sean is listening or if Sean were here, he would be just giving me so much crap about it. But, I mean, this, this list sucks. I mean – well, let me see, 61 to 75, what are, what, what do we have? Anthony Sanson there? I mean, that's a boring pick. Eddie Rosario, he's a free agent. and uh, Oh, but he, he – and he's going to be picked so much uh, highly than who, what he deserves because of what he did in the playoffs. Like, no, I am not falling for that. Josh Rojas, Marcelo Zuna. Ugh, I don't want Marcelo Zuna. Uh, Ramon Laureano, who I feel like I'm, I'm done with him. I've, I've, I've been riding the Laureano train for so long and – uh, all he does is disappoint. So not a lot of guys that I, I'm, I'm happy for. But Joe Adele, uh, we're going to go ahead and spin that wheel one more time. He really I – mean, he showed some improvements in his strikeout rate. But, again, a small sample size, and he got hurt. And and when he was healthy, he wasn't very productive, although there was like a, a week or two stretch where he was lighting up the scoreboard. But overall, he had 295 on-base percentage, so nothing to brag about. And all you can do is just perhaps look at what he did in the minors back in uh, – 2019 at double a he had eight home runs in only 182 plate appearances was able to put up respectable walk and strikeout rates and uh, hit 308 390 on base with a 553 slugging percentage again that's double a um so and then COVID hit and he wasn't it wasn't able to really prove himself although in the minors last year as a 22 year old 23 home runs strikeout rate is alarmingly high though even in triple a uh, but again, a very good, decent triple slash line. So we're hoping that he can kind of duplicate that, what he did in, in, in AAA last year. Other than that, this, uh, this, is, this is just a, a, a high upside pick because he was at one point a very highly regarded uh, prospect. He was a top 10 pick for the Angels in, the, in their draft. Um, if he can show any semblance of, listen, man, if he, if he ends up having the same plate approach, improving plate approach as Luis Robert, this is a hell of a steal if he can do that. So we'll see. But, I mean, compared to the other guys I mentioned, you might as well roll the dice with this guy and see what he can get you for this season. I saw you shaking and nodding your head over there. Uh, Austin, what do you got to say about Joe Adele as an Angels fan? I mean, as an Angels fan, I think it's been the theme of the Angels these last few years. You had guys with high expectations or guys who had a lot of upside and they just didn't live up to it. You had – 
uh, Griffin Canning, you had Andrew Heaney, you had, you know, all these guys, Joe Adele was one of them. Yeah. Joe Adele, you know, you, you ran off the numbers. He had a pretty good season a few years ago in double a, but then triple a, he went up to triple a and he fell apart. Then COVID hit. Then he got his chance in 2020 and just laid an egg all over the place. I mean, he did not do well at all. 161 batting average, 212 OBP, 266 slugging for an OPS plus. That's the lowest I've ever seen. Um, 30 OPS plus. And then, um, you know, yeah, he got hurt last year. I mean, I guess the, uh, the upside as an angels fan, I'm rooting for him because he does have that big upside, but you know, realistically from the baseball fan standpoint, uh, the good thing that I can say is he's, projected to be the starting right fielder for the angels this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's projected in 511 plate appearances to have 21 homers. But along with that, he has a two four. his slash line is projected slash line for 20, 2022. It's 243, 294, 437. So that's not great coming out of a, you know, 23 year old who was one of the high or was a very highly regarded prospect just two years ago. So I'm not going to hold my breath for Joe Adele, but as an angels fan, I'm hopeful. We'll see. Moving on. We're in the stretch run here, uh, but we're also up against the clock as we are getting late at 76 through 90. You got the number 90th ranked Manuel Margot as your sleeper pick. This late in the draft, uh, this late on Tristan Cockroft's list. Go ahead and explain yourself. I, I mean, when you're looking at Rays, I think the Rays are a good, you know, good team to look at for, you know, really any position or especially pitching. Um, but I like Manuel Margot because, again, once you got lower to this, once you got a little bit lower to this list, it was really hard to find players that I liked and essentially why I liked Manuel Margot was because he's had two seasons in a row. They were just barely below average, but they were close to league average in terms of OPS plus Um, last season. He had a 98 OPS plus he, you know, grabbed 10 homers and stole 13 bags. He can steal some bases for you. He can get on base. You know, I, I'm not super excited about the Manuel Margot pick, but he was the best one, I think, out of this group. And so that's why I picked him as the sleeper. A couple of comments from Jacob. Uh, he, lo- he also agrees with us about Dylan Carlson. He's liking Harrison Bader, too. That's one of his sleepers. So uh, I'll make a note of that for the draft. So when I snipe that pick away from him. Uh, and he's asking, what about Frank Schrendel? Like, Hey, we love Frank Schrendel. We, we talked about him a couple of episodes ago. as our He was my first base uh, sleeper. And then what you do with a Frank Schrendel is when he gets off to a good start, you flip him over and you take advantage. You go and take advantage of someone who doesn't expect you to trade Frank Schrendel. And then you get all the players that you want for Frank Schrendel. Like, this guy's a real deal. And then when the Cubs trade him to a contender and then he becomes a, a bench spot, you just go laughing all the way to the bank. So that's a... Free tip from me to you. Uh, where were we? Ah, my guy. Oh, Jacob's going to love this guy. The number 83 ranked outfielder, Brandon Nimmo. Can't give this guy up. I cannot do it. I know I, I 
I'm, 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 I always get disappointed with him. The stats, uh, the pat, the county stats are never there for him except for 2018 when he when he hit 17 home runs and stole nine bases. There seems to always be some playing time issues because the Mets are uh, usually have a lot of um, uh, outfield play outfielders that they need to play as well. Your Dominic Smiths, your JD Davises of the world, and those are guys are converted infielders. And then the other thing about him is that he can't stay healthy. I mean, he was healthy for the 2020 season, 55 out of 60 games. But just like Byron Buxton, he's only played more than 100 games once in his career. Then that was that 2018 season I just mentioned. But the one thing you love about Brandon Nimmo, and you cannot give up on him, is number one, he nearly walks as much as he strikes out. So I, I, I marvel at Dylan Carlson's uh, walk per strikeout ratio. Brandon Nimmo is Mr. Walk per strikeout ratio. I mean, this is elite level status in terms of walk per strikeout ratio. Talking about you know, 0.65, 0.77, 0.68. And for a modern day of major league baseball where a lot of hitters are striking out way more than they're walking you will take these numbers and and be happy especially if you're playing some of those more complicated leagues that account for walks and strikeouts and on base percentage speaking of on base percentage 401 on base percentage last year and he coupled that with a 292 batting average it's like you know oh i i I just can't get it i just cannot wrap my head as how good this guy could be if he can, number one, stay healthy, and number two, can show that he can uh, pad those county stats where it matters, the home runs, the runs, the RBI, and the stolen bases. But the rate stats always show a guy who should be much better than he is, and he should be getting a lot more love than he is getting. But So we'll see. He's entering his age uh, 29 season uh, to, start, to begin next year. If he can stay healthy. Uh, steamer projections only has him hitting 16 home runs and only nine stolen bases. If he could stay healthy for a, uh, get those uh, uh, plate appearances that Dylan Carlson got for the Cardinals last year, holy crap, watch out. Because if these if this triple slash line translates, you have yourself the biggest sleeper of 2022. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. Uh, moving on, let's go to Miles Straw. That is the number 98th ranked. 98th ranked outfielder, according to Tristan Cockroft, and that is uh, Austin's uh, sleeper pick this late in the draft. Why? Uh, go ahead, explain why Miles Straw is your guy here. You know what? I he's another one. I like Miles Straw, and again, Miles Straw. You know, I go back to the uh, I go back to the all ball number. He's way up there in the all ball number, especially in the small ball. Um, he, you know, if you're looking for a guy, you know, to up your average a little bit, he's going to be, I think the guy, especially this year, because this is going to be his first full season with regular playing time. He's going to be, you know, he's going to play for the guardians. The, the, I think the problem with miles straw was the same problem that Kyle Tucker was having on the Astros before he became a regular um, a regular player there. He wasn't getting enough playing time. So his numbers didn't prove or his numbers didn't show how good of a player he is. I think miles straw is going to be a good small ball type of guy, a guy that, you know, will hit for average. will get you, you know, some stolen bases. Um, I'm not quite sure how many stolen bases he had last year. He stole 30. Uh, he stole 30. So yeah, he's going to get you stolen bases. Um, so I think Miles Straw is going to be a very good pickup, especially for as low as he's ranked. He was ranked what, ninety eighth? Um, yeah, ninety yeah, eighth. So I really like, I really like him. I almost went with your sleeper, but 
I could not get away from Miles Straw and how yeah. much I like Miles Straw. Honestly, if you don't give Miles Straw here, I would have picked him. So that, that just goes to show you uh, how uh, we're on the same wavelength here. And I think it's criminal that he's ranked number 98. I, I, I don't know if... Uh, I think he should have been way higher. Way higher. I mean, stolen bases alone. I mean, people always tell me, oh, we need stolen bases. We need stolen bases. This guy is the ultimate stolen base guy for me. Because he's not gonna hurt you from a skill set uh, from a skill set standpoint, he's gonna um, not kill your batting average. He's not gonna kill your on base percentage, and he's gonna be able to steal anywhere between twenty and thirty stolen bases, especially with a horrible Guardians team, uh, and where Terry Francona has shown that he'll let guys run, or I don't know, maybe I'm speaking out of turn there. I don't, I'm not sure what Terry Francona's, but just from uh, well, let's take a look. Let's look. Let's look. What did the rest of the Guardians do last year? I mean, Jose Ramirez sold 27 bases. I mean, although you could tell me, well, that's Jose Ramirez. I mean, Rosario, who's also fast, he sold 13 stolen bases. And Bradley Zimmer, who's one of, supposed to be one of the fastest guys in all of baseball, according to StatCast numbers, he stole 15 stolen bases. So they're not gaudy numbers, but they're double digits nonetheless. And um, let's see, projections. Yeah, uh, Straw, 22 stolen bases. Ramirez, 23 stolen bases. Andres Jimenez, if he plays more, 16 stolen bases. So they're, they're going to get them one way or another. It's just, you know, how much will Francona give these guys a green light? So we shall see. But Miles Straw is a bona fide base stealer, I think. Uh, well, why say that? How many times did he get caught? Six times. So that's a net of uh, 24. That's pretty healthy. That's yep. pretty healthy. Uh, let's see here. My God, but no, I agree. I mean, he should be ranked much higher, I think. And uh, yeah, he, he just he just uh, has so many positive things going for him. Vidal Bruhan, number 92. Uh, I know the thing that you people will, will come to me and say, oh, but you're picking a bench guy and a guy who with the Tampa Bay Ray team, because I was trashing Chris Taylor. Well, the difference is Chris Taylor is ranked number 37. Then Bruhan is way, way behind in number 92. So this is late in the draft. Ruhan also has a lot of prospect pedigree. He was right there with Wander Franco as a top five prospect for a while with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, and then the how Bruhan gets more playing time? Well, there's he can play second base. So if Brandon Lau, who I don't know who 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 picked Brandon Lau as their bus, was it me or you? Uh, At second base, it was one of us. I would have picked him if you didn't. So yeah, we don't like Brandon Lau, but you know, so there without Bruhan, he gets in. Okay, what if uh, well, he qualifies at outfield? Okay, well, he, he will have to uh, jump over Austin Meadows, Randy Rosarino. That's not happening. But he could jump over Manuel Margot, even though Austin likes him as a sleeper. I don't. I don't think there's anything really exciting about Margot. I didn't mention that. because I didn't think there was either. I thought he was just the best out of that group. Yeah, and still, that that's, the arrow's pointing down for Margot, I believe. I understand your plight there, but I believe that Margot's – uh, that that might be an end for Vidal Bruhan to play more often. And if not Margot, then you replace the 32-year-old Kevin Kiermaier, which sounds blasphemous, but you're going to not play one of the more exciting prospects in all of baseball because of Kevin Kiermaier. Bruhan will be 24 next year. Uh, supposed to come with a lot of hit, uh, with a high hit tool and high speed. What has he done in the minors? Well, at AAA last year, 12 home runs, 44 stolen bases. Let that one sink in for a little bit. Oh, this is one year, though. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What? No, I was laughing. Oh. <laughs> At 2019, what did he do at double A? Oh, you know, 24 stolen bases. Well, what about single A in 2019? 24 stolen bases. That's a total of 48 stolen bases in 2019 between high A and double A. And he's not going to strike out a lot. He knows how to take a walk. 
Uh, he has posted respectable on-base percentages in uh, for a player of his caliber in the minors. He did struggle last year, but come on, not getting a lot of playing time uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays. This is a, a, a pick you make, and you just plug him in all the way at the end of your bench and just leave him alone. Like, like, like buying stock, right? You, you get your Apple stock and you leave it alone. Don't touch it. Just leave him there. Because once June, July, August comes, you'll be thankful that he's on your team and that it was worth keeping him around. StatCast, I know, I mean, there's not a lot to uh, talk about in terms of, because it's such a small sample size in terms of StatCast. But yeah, they're not very impressive. Uh, let's take a look. Yeah, he's a ground ball guy. So, but that's because he's a fast guy too. So he's taking advantage of his speed in that department. So he's not going to frustrate you with a lot of pop-ups, at least and, and fly balls. At least that's the that's the promise there. And then the plate discipline numbers. Uh, he's uh, he doesn't swing at too many. Swing and strike percentage is low, but obviously last year he was pressing, but he still made a lot of contact. So he showed a very aggressive uh, profile in terms of swing percentages, but he still made enough contact to where you're you're hopeful that he can turn that contact into balls and play and take advantage of his speed. Lots to like here uh, for Bruhan. So that's a player, a long, very long-term player to keep an eye on for the Tampa Bay Rays. All right, finally, the last picks, number 107 to 125. You went with the number 122nd ranked Akil Badu. By the way, this is it right here, Austin. This is Cedric Mullins' territory. This is where we're looking for that next guy. Cedric Mullins, for me, was like ranked around, in my personal rankings, was ranked this low in outfield. So we're basically looking for the next Cedric Mullins. Uh, do you believe Akil Badu can come close to hitting that? Cedric Mullins level? No. Mm -hmm. um, but Cedric Mullins light? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I could, I could see Cedric Mullins light. Um, the, he was a rookie last year. He did have a great rookie season. He had a 113 OPS plus. Um, so there is upside, but there's always that potential of a sophomore slump. Yeah. Um, so especially in the big Detroit ballpark that they got out there, it's going to be really hard to, you know, replicate some offense if he's going to, you know, hit, you know, hit it in the air. Um, the good thing is he's almost double digit walk percentage. He's at 9.8% walk per 9.8% uh, walk. Uh, and his strikeout percentage is a little high. He's at a 26 and a half percent. But, you know, he seems to be a pretty patient hitter, some uh, pretty low outside the swing percentage. Um, you know, he's in the mid 20 percentile. Um, so, I, I like him. He makes his, you know, he's making contact at a 72% uh, rate last year. So, yeah. Oh, hi, Penny. Say hi, Austin. <laughs> Say hi. Yeah, I got my baby here for those who can't see. Yeah. So, you know, it's that late in the show when, the, when she's in the room. So, uh, last guy we're going to talk about is Oscar Mercado, uh, formerly of the Cleveland Guardians. Say bye, Penny. Hi, Penny. Let's put her on camera there for the kids. Thank you. Uh, Oscar Mercado for the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, uh, let's see here. He is supposed to be a bench piece, but he's only a couple years removed from being a very high upside guy from 2019. In 2019, he had 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases, and he was everybody's darling for the 2020 season. And then for whatever reason, it didn't work. Probably that ginormous strikeout rate of 29%. Last year, he was able to 
cut down on the strikeouts, improve his walk rate. So that's a step in the right direction, but it just wasn't productive enough. It still hit awful year for him last year uh, in terms of triple slash line, in terms of the counting stats, there was nothing really to um, point to him and say, hey, you know, he's in the, he's in a step in the right direction, but we, in this late in the picks, I mean, he's the 125th outfielder uh, on Cockroach's list, and he only ranked 125 outfielders. So he's this is Mr. Irrelevant here. But the hope is that he can come close to uh, getting uh, to the 2019 uh, numbers, you know, the 15 and 15, along with a two, uh, close to 270 batting average and a respectable slugging percentage of 443. Uh, what was There was other things about him that I kind of uh, was – liking about him he's very patient hitter that was surprising to me very patient hitter um only swings at 26 percent of pitches outside the strike zone last year so that's quite remarkable for a guy who uh was having issues with strikeouts and what did he do in the minors is there anything that will give me hope uh well 2019 doesn't count well i guess 2018 with the with the uh cardinals uh yeah, he, he wasn't striking out 30%, I could tell you that much. And a 351 on base percentage, along with 31 stolen bases. That's what it was. It was the 31 stolen bases that had me like, hmm. Maybe if I'm on a Roto League, maybe this is a guy I target at the very, very, very end of draft picks. He does have a problem with playing time, though. Uh, he would have to overcome Framil Reyes. I know he's a DH, but Framil Reyes, uh, that his natural position would be outfield. And I should probably say natural position with quotes. Uh, let's see. Stephen Kwan, who I've never heard of before, but apparently he is supposed to produce next year for the Guardians, even though the county sets don't show up, but he's supposed to have a respectable triple slash line. Uh, and Bradley Zimmer, who can't stay healthy to save his life, it seems like. And he's supposed to, he has a projection of a 306 on base percentage. So is that what you want? Is that what you want from your outfielders? I don't think so. Uh, you can also put on my Rosario into the mix because he might play some off-field as well. So Oscar Mercado, uh, he might be in there competing, and he's already listed as a, as a as a platoon player. So he might be a guy who, like the deepest of deep sleepers here, and uh, that's what it's all about. We're looking, we're just diamond mining here, Austin. We're, we're digging and we're clawing. We're looking for those guys who can come up and produce uh, one day. So... Not, 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 not the uh, big bang I was hoping for here, Austin. As uh, when you're talking about Oscar Mercado, uh, it kind of leaves you wanting more. You know, it's, he's not Vidal Burhan, I could tell you that much, but you know, it's still someone to maybe keep an eye on. And that's a wrap for season two of the uh, Total Basis podcast. Uh, it started out with Sean, and then uh, we had a, a plethora of guests, and then we had uh, uh, we were showing up on other people's podcasts. So that's usually a good sign when other people want you on their podcast, especially with Sean, who was uh, doing some big boy fantasy baseball things over on Twitter. So we'll see what he does uh, for next season as we prepare for the 2022 Major League season. And then we finish with Austin. I, I almost call you Austin Meadows, and I got to stop doing that. But <laughs> finish up with Austin Spiro, who uh, has been nice enough uh, to join me as uh, we finish up season two of this podcast we look forward to season three austin says that he'll be back is that is that the case that you'll be back doing double duty here plan on it yeah yeah along with your podcast well go ahead and tell people where they can find you 
my podcast is the Round Trippers Podcast. You can find me on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and probably pretty much anywhere that you're going to listen to podcasts. Um, you can also find me in the Baseball Life Facebook Facebook group, and then you are going to find me on <laughs> Jacob Anthony uh, Moses. Just called me Cole Austin Calhoun. Oh, that's right. Yeah. For those who don't know, he looks exactly like Cole Calhoun with a hat. <laughs> um uh, you can also find me on twitter at uh, round underscore trippers um you can go ahead and give me a follow and uh we can talk some baseball um you can also email me uh feedback about my show you can ask me a question or things like that at round trippers podcast at gmail.com so there is that of course you can find me on twitter at pathological uh underscore the letter the letter H, the number eight. Uh, thinking of uh, doing a new email account for this uh, show as well. So stay tuned for that. Um, so I'm not going to say anything right now as until I get it done. But yeah, I definitely look forward to a new email address uh, for this show so people can uh, chime in. And if you need our help, uh, Austin and I can uh, uh, assist in answering some questions. Maybe I'll have Sean do that for next year in between uh, uh, work shifts that he does at his uh, bread job. Just answer emails. Do something. Um, <laughs> also, hey, you know, give us a follow, subscribe, uh, give us a rating on the, uh, give us a five star rating over at Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you are allowed to make ratings. Give us a five star rating because you're not just helping our podcast; you're also going to be helping out the other podcasts that are part of our life group umbrella. Uh, it is definitely a difference here uh, with these life groups here on Facebook. We, it's we're a different kind of sports group here. Uh, starting out with Dong City with Henry and Vince, and then the Step Back Podcast. That's a uh, that's a personal favorite of mine because you know the the NBA. I love the NBA, and uh, Jacob and Leah do a marvelous job of covering it. And they've also had me on their show a few times. They're always nice enough to accommodate me when uh, when I want to have some basketball thoughts to uh, uh, take out my chest. Uh, so I do thank them, and I do thank Jacob uh, uh, for tuning in uh, for uh, subbing in for you last week. Uh, as a one and uh, those guys have been very instrumental um, in helping uh, be last minute fill-ins uh, in the past. So I do thank them both for being those guys. And also they're my competitors in the life group uh, fantasy baseball podcast, uh, fantasy baseball uh, over at Fantrax. Uh, and then the football life uh, podcast, the audible with Matt and Randy as uh, they're doing whatever it takes during these confusing COVID times, they're, they'll go at night, they'll go in the daytime, whatever it takes to make sure they provide all the football analysis you can handle. And uh, as we march into the NFL playoffs soon, assuming that uh, they don't cancel any games. And uh, just like the NBA, man, players are dropping like flies at this point. Uh, it's it's kind of scary out there. So get your vaccines, mask up. Um, I just uh, turned off 50% of the audience. I don't care, man. This is something to be taken serious. It's not not, not just a cold. It's not just a flu. I've lost family members because of it. I, I know Carl Anthony Towns, the basketball player, lost a bunch of his family members because of it. And, um, you know, we've had several of our, of our key uh, life group members also be affected by COVID, uh, including our guy, Henry, who suffered through it at the very beginning of the, uh, of the pandemic. So, uh hopefully next year we will have much better results uh, in that regard. And if that's the case, maybe I will one day meet face-to-face there, Austin, and be able to shake each other's hands. 
as opposed to just fist bumping for safety purposes. So with that said, hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas. We will see you next year. Have a marvelous new year. Take care, everybody. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you.